All right, me and Alex got the latest update on crypto bats. Got to start every week for the foreseeable future, giving people, our, our uh, lovely investors, what they need to know. When we last talked about it, crypto bats were at 0.33 ETH. And one week later, they are at exactly 0.33 ETH. That's about $1,000, I think. I don't know. Let's find out. It changes from day to day, and there's the gas fees. Um, 2.6K is one ETH, so it's like, you know, maybe 850 bucks. That's a good deal. I think this might be the best week ever for crypto bats because every week in history they've fallen. So by staying flat, this is probably a really optimistic week for, for crypto bat owners. I was thinking if Ozzy Osbourne died, would it make the price go up or down? I feel like people who hold them probably believe up. But in reality, I feel like it's going to do basically nothing. Like maybe it would go up for a week and then back down because they're just so fundamentally worthless. And so they have so little to do with Ozzy that the idea that his death could affect the price just seems so delusional. But I guess the whole thing is delusional because it's tied to nothing, right? Ozzy should fake his death and then see what happens to crypto bats after. They have a pretty good incentive to murder him now. Yeah. Get hired as one of his housekeepers, one of the people who holds him upright. Yeah. Every crypto bet owner has a motive. That's a good idea for like a horror movie. There's like uh, 9,666 people all trying to kill Ozzy. All you have to do is give him the wrong dose of his medications. And that's it. Yeah. If anything, I'm suspecting, um, suspecting Sharon before I suspect anyone else. It's like the Kurt Cobain Funko Pop in 1994. The prices spiked for that shit. That's right. People went out and bought them like crazy. Same thing with Buddy Holly when he died. The fact that um, crypto bats are flat this week, you know, you hear like a lot of advice about buying low and selling high, but there's something to be said for buying mediocre and keeping mediocre. It's better than the alternative of losing money. I think staying flat is kind of uh, unheralded. It's a pretty good uh, financial strategy to not lose money. It's not the worst strategy. Yeah. By definition, it's exactly the middle strategy, I think. It's average. So there's a new Billy Joel biopic. I hear it's directed by the same guy as The Fast and the Furious. What was the deal with this where um, the guy who's making it is not Billy Joel, but it's someone who who has a cut of his songwriting, right? It's the son of the guy who ripped him off in a record deal. In the 70s. <laughs> cool, even better. It's awesome. I think it's awesome that there's a finally a, a, a rock documentary from the point of view of the managers, of the record yeah, that's label. so sick, dude. Of the people trying to stifle their creativity. And when you told me about this, the first thing I thought of was the 30 Rock plotline where Jenna starts off doing the Janis Joplin biopic, but then they lose the rights and then it keeps getting degraded from there. And by the end of it, like she's just making up fake songs. And it's basically what this is because they have no rights to any of the music. Yeah. They can't put any of the songs in. What do you do with that? (laughs) It's so cool. Like you can have scenes where he like sits down at the piano and plays four generic chords. Then it just cuts away to a different scene or something. Or he's just singing songs about how the dish ran away with the spoon. Oh, it would be funny if they couldn't say his name, like when uh, advertisers have to say the big game instead of the Super Bowl. (laughs) If they just had to call him the piano man, hey, where's the piano man? (laughs) Yeah, that'd be so good, dude. They have to rewrite it so Billy Joel is called the piano man when he's like three. 
But he so they, doesn't they have a have song have called Piano Man. No, eventually he writes one. And it's many have speculated that song's actually autobiographical since his name is Piano Man. <laughs> but the Piano Man song in the movie is just like, I'm the Piano Man. I'm the Piano Man. It's My public domain really cool shit. Guy. It's ragtime. Yeah. It's just uh, the Maple I'm Leaf. I'm the Piano Man. Lyrics. I'm the Piano Man. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to that biopic. What else we got? Another quick hit here. We've got uh, Eric Alper might have hit a new low. I think it's certainly the laziest I've ever seen him tweet. This one's from March 9th when he said, What's a song that featured the word song in the title? Song two. That's so cool, dude. That requires the least typing to answer that question. (laughs) Though there might be a song just called Song. Who knows? Someone was trying to be a smartass. I hope so. Like on top of the, the typo, and it's not even your favorite song. It's just any song. And it's just the word song. Like I don't think it's possible to make lazier engagement bait than this. What's your favorite band that starts with the... Yeah. <laughs> Even that's a better question, though, because there's no typo. And you said the favorite instead of just any band. He's really got to step up his game if he wants to uh, retain this engagement because people are starting to step on his turf. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't hold the secret anymore. Everyone knows how to uh, engagement bait by asking, yeah, like, even well, what's your favorite movie from the 80s or 70s or 60s? Yeah. I mean, I didn't go to, intend to go this direction, so I don't have any pulled up, but even Pitchfork's been doing some of that on Twitter lately. On YouTube, you can do polls in the community tab, and I see that a lot. Does that work? Like, do people engage with that? I think they do if they see a poll. That's so weird. I can make my voice heard. Like, who goes on YouTube to, like, seek that out? They put it in your face, kind of. Oh, do they? Okay. I've, I've honestly just never encountered it. Yeah, I think it's is a it new like thing. Over, is it, like, um, superimposed over the end of the video, like they sometimes do with other videos? No, it's on, like, uh, your YouTube homepage. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. They should do that, though. They should make you answer a multiple-choice question about every video you watch. Yeah. Like an ad where it just cuts away and then you're stuck with it. Did he throw up after eating the seven cheeseburgers? Yes or no? Yeah, like quiz you about the content of the video, and if you get it wrong, you have to watch more ads. Just outsourcing the content screening. So it's like, did this have uh, child pornography in it? <laughs> yes or no? Like, ooh, I get to answer a poll. No. It you didn't. have to answer every single like content screening question. How about violence? Inflammatory political rhetoric. Does this contain heroin use? <laughs> it's not like a Peppa Pig video. Man, I wish that we actually managed to have Eric Alper on this show. It would have been really aw- like It basically would have been so awkward, though, that he never would have sent us his file if we did it. Yeah, we would have had to record him from the desktop. Yeah. Then release it without his, uh, without his consent or knowledge. Whistleblowers. I'm trying to, trying to imagine, like... Could there ever be like a shock jock Eric Alper that does like engagement farming, but it's all just like, what's your favorite fart sound? I think a lot of those radio stations do that on Facebook. (laughs) Do they really? Yeah, they share like lowest common denominator memes and do uh, engagement bait. Because what else are you going to do? You're a radio show. You can't like, you can't post radio. Yeah. Yeah. You can either post links or 
you can post uh, like I don't know, like lol cats and shit. It's a whole different world over there. Yeah, and it makes sense for that kind of like legacy shock jock radio show to be posting on Facebook. Like that's just where their audience is going to be, you know. I guess it's kind of funny like uh, thinking about shock jocks as like a bygone era, kind of like '80s music or something. Yeah, they've kind of moved on to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of a miniature Howard Stern now. Yeah, it just doesn't have that same radio charm of just boing and and uh, like prank calling people on air. Yeah, it's a good thing to be nostalgic for. Just like, oh man, I remember when. Uh, the crazy queef was on for four hours every morning, you know, in, in the LA market for 10 years in the nineties. They don't make them like that anymore. Man, I'll never be as happy as when Opie and Anthony made Tucker Mac so uncomfortable that he left. Yeah. <laughs> and they said his stories were fake about Tucker how Max, he like, uh, like, yeah. Everyone has forgotten about Tucker Max, generally speaking, but he's had a weirdly gigantic impact on culture in terms of like his strategy for getting attention. He was totally ahead of the curve. He showed up on Twitter the other day. Oh, I think, funny. I think Glenn Greenwald was retweeting him, <laughs> talking about, I don't know, Ukraine or something. The last so time I heard about there. him, he, the, the New Yorker did a talk of the town about him maybe like five years ago or something. And at least from how he portrayed himself in that, he kind of gave up on his like edgy shtick and was just into like doing yoga and being a normal guy, <laughs> which I mean, good for him, but yeah, you but can't know, really like, maintain that for too long or you turn into, um, Dan Bilzerian. Who's that? The guy who's, uh, like sort of a fake poker champion. He just like okay. uh, get, he gets money from his dad and goes around and takes pictures and he pays models to hang out with him. Yeah, yeah he's it's all so like roided bleak, out. Dude. Yeah, to the extent that I know anything about Tucker Max, uh, yeah, good for him for not going down that path. <laughs> but I, I think I've seen um, people who were like in his inner circle in his peak days of like I hope they serve beer in hell and all that shit, and they all absolutely knew what they were doing of trying to get negative attention on purpose because all attention is good attention, you know? And to that extent, like, like that mindset has proliferated so much in the years since. Yeah, back then those things had more impact. Like if you are a really hated character, whether it was from yeah. a TV show or an online persona, it would last for years. People would get so mad at like Honey Boo Boo or yeah. uh, Jack Thompson the anti-video game lawyer, these, these figures who garnered so much hate for years, but now we have uh, the main character of the day, as yeah, they call true. it. <laughs> it's been democratized. Where it's, uh, it's barely even one day now. It's just... Yeah. You barely get any followers from it. You get a few. It really is like the Andy Warhol 15 seconds of fame thing, you know? Or 15 yeah. minutes. I don't fucking remember the quote anymore. Yeah, fuck him. I'm supposed to listen to his quotes when his art is just a bunch of soup cans. I, oh, I'm yeah, gonna uh, one up. What's he him. gonna tell me? The nutrition facts? The fact that he turned out to be right about that means that it's gonna keep going that direction forever. Where I'm gonna coin the phrase in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 nanoseconds, Whoa. and everyone's gonna think I'm a genius when that's true. In the future, everyone's penis will be 15 inches. <laughs> that's right, Andy Warhol. Yeah. No, you should have claimed that one for yourself. 
That's why Valerie Solanas tried to kill him. Because she said that's too big. <laughs> and yet he turned out to be right about it. Yeah, he was very prescient about a lot of things. Like that Campbell's soup cans would continue to be a recognizable brand. Maybe yeah, because of the them. art. I don't yeah. know. But a, a lot of cans from back then you don't see these days. Not a lot of logos have made it that long, but Campbell's... Yeah, that would be a, a really cool, like, liberal, self-congratulatory charity project would be donating Campbell's soup cans to homeless shelters, not for food, but as an art project to, like, enrich their lives with art. Yeah, the Campbell's soup cans, it's so beautiful. Yeah. You, should, you guys should look at these. You know... uh, unhoused people are deprived of art in a society where art is often so commodified. So how about we give them Campbell's soup cans they can look at instead of eat anything? You have to give them can openers though. Because in old movies, when they're trying to open a can with a knife, that looks really dangerous. They probably cut off their fingers all the time back in the old days. But at least they earned their meals back then. Yeah, it's like how in... uh when you have gorillas in a gorilla conservatory, you have to like put uh, their food inside stuff. So they have to keep working their brain to get it. Yeah, or even like those things for dogs where it's like a maze they have to chase the food around. That's why those every bowls. time I open a can of food, I use my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I just slam it into my teeth over and over again, and it takes a long time, but I feel like I've earned the food, and it's a great enrichment activity. When did they invent like the soda tab like the pop tab on sodas and beers. Like it was only like what the seventies or eighties. It's really not that old. I think so. I feel like they had pop tab sort of things before then, but a lot of things didn't have pull tabs. I think everything should by law. Let's see. I'm going to look this up back in the old days. You would have to use a can opener to drink a can of Coca-Cola. Oh, so the first pull tab was 1951, but then the tabs that we have today uh, go back to 1975. And then from there, the inventions become a little bit more dubious, like the wide mouth from uh, 1990s. A wide mouth tin can? I don't think I've ever seen one of those. No, I think they just made this part that you sip from wider. <laughs> it's a very minimal invention. Oh. The most fucked up development is when they figured out how to make a bottle out of can. They made those yeah. aluminum bottles. That's yeah. just disgusting to me. Those weird fucking like Budweiser's with twist tops. Is it a bottle or is it a can? I don't yeah. know anymore. That's an unnatural monstrosity. Wow, pop tabs were invented in Thunder Bay, Ontario. This, even in an episode where Dan's not here, this show becomes very Canadian. You know, we can't escape it. How do we get on the pop tab thing? Uh, we were ranking all our favorite sodas. Yeah. <laughs> I think that Man, was the first shame. 15 minutes or so. It's a shame that you can't bundle albums with soft drinks anymore after DJ Khaled tried it. Oh, actually, that's another thing to bring up for that same rule. Like the, well, let's call it the DJ Khaled rule since he pushed it so egregiously. Um, because of that, Kanye's album sales for Donda 2 don't count toward any chart because they're all bundled with the stem player. So none of them can count toward any chart. Damn. Well, I don't think it was going to do too well. I mean, it sounds like when we talked about the stem player, he had sold millions of dollars worth, which means at 200 bucks a piece, it's still like a surprising amount. That is pretty good. But I would love to own one of those someday. I wonder yeah. what would make it cheaper. 
or more expensive if if uh, someone killed Kanye West. <laughs> so now we've got Kanye and Ozzy on the hit list. If Kanye and Ozzy die on the same day, I got to go out and buy uh, a bat thing. What is it called? Crypto it's bats. Crypto bats. Wow, what a stupid name. Yeah. <laughs> it's too it's so obvious. Instead of asking what it was called, you should have just guessed the most obvious thing possible. <laughs> Crypto bats. Yeah, that's going to go up and then the uh Donda 2 player is going to be either really expensive or really cheap. When Kurt Cobain died, the in utero player that yeah. they sold uh <laughs> that got really cheap. People were like, "I don't want this." This guy's the only emo. Thing you could He's do, a loser. It allowed you to put the vocals lower in the mix. Like that was like the thing about Nirvana uh, at the time. Because like relative to pop stars, the vocals were mixed. Like they're not that low in the mix, but um, I think that was one of those conversations from the early 90s that's been forgotten by anyone our age of like, oh man, the vocals are not that high in the mix because it's so like raw. So it's just, that would be the only thing that the stem player would do for Nirvana. Yeah, you should be able to swap between the Steve Albini mixes of the singles from that album and the remixes. I don't know who did the remixes, but I think they sound better. Yeah, I mean, that's hence why they got used for the initial release of that album. I've heard some of the tracks from the uh, like 2010s era remaster. I should actually probably revisit that and check it out, but I think they sounded better than any of the other mixes because you could actually hear the cello on the songs that have cello, like much more pronounced. Like mixing technology now is just so much better than it was in the 90s, objectively. Yeah, it's so easy now. Anyone can be a boy band. Yeah, and speaking of boy bands, you found this really real gem of a forum thread from 2009, which was revived in 2021 from futureproducers.com here. Yeah, we were talking about boy bands because there's a... A boy band themed E1 song in the works. Yeah. Keep your keep your eyes peeled. And I was looking up uh the snare sample that they used back then. It's a very snappy snare. Maybe it's just a clap. I don't know what it is exactly, but I was hoping for just a wave of that. But I found this old forum, futureproducers.com, and uh it's a thread titled in brackets, No Homo. What drums were used for nineties pop music like NSYNC? <laughs> Hello, I want to make a cheesy 90s-styled pop song for my joke group I put together called N-Boys, N-Sync slash Backstreet Boys, which is just some friends and cousins lip-syncing BB and N-Sync songs for laughs. But this time around, I want to actually make our own song, and I want it to sound like a song that would have came out in those times. So I was wondering what kind of drums, drum samples, etc. have those snares that they used to use that were real snappy, the other instruments, etc., etc., uh, oh, and once again, no homo. Yeah. <laughs> That's from 2009. So cool. Even just that first post is like peak 2009. Well, actually, I would have, if I had to guess randomly, I would have guessed early 2000s by using no homo twice to open this up. Like, I forgot that people were that homophobic in 2009. Yeah, Obama was still against gay marriage. That's true, yeah. And then Biden had the flub uh, toward the end of the first, uh, like, like roughly like what it was like before the 2012 election where Biden accidentally came out in support of it, 
publicly and then retroactively he was like i stood up for lgbt rights before obama yeah like also very late yeah exactly i mean to obama's credit he already supported that as a state senator in illinois but he pretended to be more conservative than he was to win an election and that sounds like you know well he supported it when he was in the limo back in the day in the limo yeah you didn't you didn't hear about that on the Gateway Pundit that he was a <laughs> he was a gay prostitute <laughs> when <laughs> yeah, he was forgot. a young man. Even Gateway Pundit that's that already feels kind of dated too, you know. Those guys are still around. It's crazy Good that that them. guy hasn't died. The main guy from uh, Gateway Pundit, his Twitter bio before he got banned, it was a list of diseases that he had. <laughs> he was the sickest man of all time, and somehow he's still alive. Well, uh, once Trump is back in office, they can get um, White House press credentials for one last hurrah. They should let them all back on Twitter if Trump wins the election. Yeah, yeah. Because what are we going to do? You think that's going to work if he wins yeah, the election least, again? At like, least let like, people dunk on him, you know? Yeah. I want to retweet the old uh, Trump posts. Put it all back up. The one about Diet Coke and all that shit. Yeah. That's, well, there is some account now that just retweets all the classics, like the pre-presidency classics. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, but going back to this no homo thread about uh, boy band drums, the like this like makes you nostalgic for the era of forums because the sequence of posts that happens after it is so fucking funny. Where the first guy who responds says, "Really, dude? No homo? What would be homo about trying to get a drum for a record? Folks care too much about sexuality. Yeah, I bump and sync and Britney Spears with no fucking shame either." You heard the production on Toxic? Is your mind even far out enough to conceptualize what it took to come up with a production like Toxic? And then he goes on to say, pop producers are making the most bread while you saying no homo to their production. Wow. Ahead of his time. He was before Joe Biden or Obama. Yeah, that's right. He should have run for president in 2012. So I'm going to skip ahead here a little, though, just to show that this was a contentious issue still in 2009 where someone, um, I was about to say quote tweeted, but they uh, just quoted the original post saying, you're gay and don't argue. You said you bumped Britney Spears. Also, you said making the most bread. You are a F-slur. Oh, and it's probably drums from the 606, 909, and 808 kit. So he goes into listing the drum kit. (laughs) Oh, is it? They weren't reinventing the wheel on of that shit. And it's very <laughs> funny that uh, shit is censored on the forum, but the F uh, slur isn't. It's so weird that it says new member under these people because they all haven't used the website since 2009. Yeah. But I guess it goes by your amount of posts. So if you make only 15 posts in uh, it's 13 years ago, <laughs> you're yeah, a you're new still member. New. <laughs> I love, like, the people just, this again, this is why forums are so fucking funny. Like, it's such an insane way to have a conversation of another guy just ignoring the other part of the conversation, just being like, I would love to be the writer of some of those tracks. Those publishing checks gotta be crazy, lol. Yeah. Cool, dude. I guess so, yeah. That'd be nice to have that money for free. Yeah, it would be cool to be a celebrity and be rich and be a millionaire. It's kind of cool to think about. 
And then here's where the original poster jumps back into the thread, defending himself. I am a fan of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. No homo is for the people that think it's gay to like those jams. Every time I'm playing the piano somewhere with people taking requests, it just ends up turning into a request NSYNC Spice Girls or Backstreet Boys fest. And then he goes on to say that the snare from Backstreet Boys songs, I gangsta, (laughs) when he clearly means is gangsta. There's a guy in here named Deranged for Fucked Up, spelled with a PH. And his avatar is the Bert is Evil meme from 1999, where people would Photoshop <laughs> him into pictures of like Hitler or Osama bin Laden. And it's uh, Bert next to Osama bin Laden, which in 2009, that would be the equivalent of having a Rage comic avatar now. <laughs> yeah. Like the troll face. It's interesting that that's always been around. There's always somebody behind the curve. Even when memes were so much slower then. Memes would last like two years, but people still manage to be way behind on it. (laughs) There's another good comment. Would I lose my hood pass if I liked both the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC music back then? Lol. I actually had one of the BSB's albums. I forgot which one. This ish was one of my faves. 16 homo minus 16 homo equals question mark, question mark. And then he linked a YouTube video that doesn't work anymore because all the HTML is broken. I love those arguments where they don't even talk about whether it's okay to be gay or not, or like whether it's a bad thing that that goes without question. It's just whether it's gay or not. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. It is not gay. It would be bad if they were, but it's not. (laughs) However, it's not. Yeah. And someone bumped it in 2021, which is insane. (laughs) Insane. Hey, y'all. My name is Caitlin. Geez, this forum is over 11 years old, but I came across this while Googling what drum machines BSB used in their 90s and early 2000s albums. That's also how I got here. Uh, But how can I find those Triton drums and stuff? And then someone replied... No homo, son, LOL. <laughs> September 2021. Yeah, just fine. Not even replying to her, just looking at the original <laughs> thread. Also, though, in 2021, that, that woman who revived it, it's like, why don't you just fucking Google a Korg Triton and buy one or just find like a sample pack for one? Isn't that kind of obvious in this day and age? Just makes a clap and a snare. Yeah. Get them Use in the right ratio packs and or EQ like, There's so many. Those sounds are so easy to get. And like... Oh, oh, something else we forgot to mention is that the original poster posted his original Backstreet Boys style beat in this thread, but the link is dead now because it's been so long, and I would have loved to hear that because you know it's dog shit. But uh, like those samples are so chintzy and shitty. It's all just about actual mixing skills, right? Like It's all about just compression and EQ and shit to make that stuff sound good. If you use the exact same samples that Max Martin uses, your music's going to sound like shit. Yeah, a lot of stuff in those productions, especially the boy band stuff, is very chintzy and sounds stupid if you listen to it, like, intently. Like, I was listening to NSYNC, and the instrumentation is, like, very weird in a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, but if you don't really pay attention to what you're listening to, you don't notice it. I think, like, those songs work on just the sheer pop sensibility of someone like Max Martin, who's such a good songwriter. Like that's something you just can't deny at this point where he's just written so many hits over so many years that he clearly just has a gift for the songwriting and like the actual patches he was using are incidental. Cause most of them are pretty fucking simple and 
straight out of the box, like just stock tones, you know? Taylor Swift did him dirty a couple years ago when she came out with the re, uh, re-release of Red. In her version of We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together has much more sparse instrumentation. She took a lot of it out and she made it worse. It sounds leaden now. Yeah, that reminds, something we avoided talking about on this show, but when Damon Albarn had the completely correct and very sensible interview a while ago where he was just like, yeah, Taylor Swift is just a co-writer on most of her hits and that's not really being a songwriter. And then he said very nice things about Billie Eilish and then everyone tried to take it out of context like he's hating on women songwriters and shit. But it's like, no, Taylor Swift is pretty bad at songwriting and production and everything. <laughs> like her early she just songs co-writes songs really with Max bad. Martin and shit. Yeah, she's not good at that and like that's fine. Like she's a pop star kind of like performer singer. She's not a great songwriter. And Damon Albarn was right on the money with that. Like there's nothing controversial or rude about that. Damon Albarn should get a brother. He needs a brother so they can have a contentious relationship. He That's should right. ask his mom for a baby brother. Yeah. He can go back and do Blur 2 and make it more like Oasis. It would be awesome if you were like 52 and somehow you had a brother that was way younger from like yeah. your mom's like second marriage, but you had a contentious relationship with him in the media. Like your 16-year-old brother. He fucking yeah, spilled rock. shit on my Xbox controller and then said nothing happened to it when he gave it back to me. The Gallagher brothers' uh, mom needs to have uh, like a surrogate pregnancy to get to create a baby Gallagher brother they can beef with all the time now. Yeah, they can kick its ass. Yeah. They can have it play bass like uh, Wolfgang Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I was thinking about Max Martin more like in the the sense that he's built like 20 plus years at this point of just nonstop hits where no one has ever done that in history, whether it's like the Beatles or Michael Jackson or whoever it's like he, Oh, here's one. Well, here's a hot take then he makes, he like Max Martin is like the LeBron of pop production. And Michael Jackson is like the Michael Jordan of pop production where uh, Jackson and Jordan are just kind of problematic and yeah, they're legends, but they both have a problematic history and they've both been outshined by someone who's much more of just a straightforward, like go getter for being an, a pro at what they do. You know, Max Martin, like LeBron is just year in year out hits, 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 just creating a legacy. He needs to start some drama. Like Dr. Luke's got some drama going on and people talk about him all the time. That's why Max Martin's the best of just, he created this lane to quietly be the best producer ever for pop and no one cares about him, which is amazing, right? Like, that's so cool. Like, everyone will just talk about like Taylor Swift's song, NSYNC's song, Britney Spears. He's worked with everybody over the last 25 years, you know, and he just gets all the money and gets to do what he loves for a living and then never has to deal with any bullshit ever. It's awesome. He doesn't even have to sing on him. Yeah, it's like a dream job for... There's probably like more people who think of that as a dream job than being a pop star, right? In terms of like the music world, like most musicians like just actually making songs and don't want to have to like, you know, fo- take uh, like press photos and shit. Oh, I would like, love to be in that position. Out. Yeah. Put me in there. Max Martin's the fucking, he really figured it out more than anybody. Took that kind of Swedish genius to just disappear behind the scenes. 
the early boy band stuff was very funny because they were trying to make them black for some reason. Like they took white boys from Florida and then had them act like Menudo. Yeah, that's a great point. There was a sort of, yeah, like the name, the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Uh, in the first albums of NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys, they had this fake like gangsta thing going on. That's very funny yeah. in hindsight. Like they, I, I don't know what funny. they were thinking they were doing. I mean, I think basically like, because Boys to Men had already started before all that shit and they were just trying to make like white Boys to Men to sell to white people. Like it's the, like the classic music industry playbook of the 20th century is, oh, we need to elevate Elvis because he can steal black people's music and make it appeal to white people. That's what it was. Um, but you're right that watching, one of my favorite things to do, uh, the Backstreet Boys music video for We've Got It Going On, which is like their very first album before they truly blew up, is so fucking funny because they all are such dweebs. Like they're wearing clothes that are way too big, which is like, you know, just classic 90s thing. But they're like, the dances are horrible where they're all just like doing fake free throws together and shit. And it's so hard to imagine that being cool. Like they're all just dweebs across the board i'm watching this now this is awesome yeah it's amazing dude like and actually even um what's the name of their the shitty manager who like put them together like that guy who eventually went to prison he's in the video because it's like that self-aggrandizing yeah he's in like the studio at one point um that's awesome and i love that video because it like shows where that shit began of it's not cool these guys aren't like sex symbols or anything the beat is actually amazing like it's really chromatic and weird um, like musically, it's surprisingly good and everything else is dog shit, but it's just so funny that that turned into like something that was considered very cool at the time. Yeah. Having a big baggy sweater. Yeah. <laughs> like Their clothes are so gigantic, dude. They're playing b-ball. Again, I think a lot of it is just like trying to steal black culture, but it's really not working for them, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess it did work. True, true. But People also they modulated it, They make fun of them now, but... I think when Backstreet Boys truly hit their peak, though, they kind of modulated toward their own thing. Or same thing with yeah. NSYNC, where like they're more remembered for like these like high budget music videos of like having like the NSYNC one where there's like a werewolf, or like the or sorry Backstreet Boys one where he's like a werewolf, or the NSYNC one where it's like the robot thing and whatever. One thing I wish was different about the production of these songs is that there was more mid range instrumentation. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of interesting chord changes, but a lot of the time it's just vocals and bass. There's like a, yeah. a synth or something very low in the mix. Again, it's pretty sparse and pretty simple. Like I would like I feel like most of those patches are stock tones. Like I don't think they're really like digging into the settings to like move away from the presets, you know? In in that sense you could make like a weird comparison to like folk music or something where you just pick up a guitar and that's the sound, you know? Like, I don't think Mac Mar- Max Martin's ever been good at creating cool tones. Like, he's not fucking Trent Reznor or something, but he just has such a good pop sensibility. A lot of great songs have been made with presets. Mm-hmm. A lot of 80 synths, you go through the basic presets and you recognize them. And even the point of that uh, No Homo thread we were reading earlier was that at the end of the day, Max Martin was using just an MPC and a Korg Triton, which are like the most generic shit you could have used then, you know? It's not like he had some like killer secret piece of gear. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't need all that gear. Yeah, it's funny. Like, it's kind of like your the thing that you prescribe these days was even true back then. Well, I guess it's not entirely true because 
with Max Martin, you know that in the studio he was using two thousand dollar compressors and two thousand dollar microphones. So like when he was recording those vocals and everything, he was like going all out, super expensive shit. Uh, so maybe that's what's changed since then. But I guess in terms of those beats, it is kind of like your ethos today of you can just do this in the box basically, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Soldier Boy broke open the barrier for that, yeah, making a number one true. hit with Fruity Loops, the yeah. free trial. God, it's so funny. Like, you, Crank That Soldier Boy is like something I'm going to think about every year for the rest of my life. At some, po- at some point during every calendar year, I'm going to think about that song a bunch. It's legendary. It's going to be remembered like the Charleston. Yeah, exactly. It's like achy, breaky heart. It's something you hear at a wedding 10 years from now. Yeah, you should really hear Crank That Soldier Boy more at weddings. I regret <laughs> not playing it on my own. It's just so good. It's timeless. He's like such a great figure because he's the right place, the right time with no discernible talent. That beat is like, remember, like the, the uh, fucking steel drum on that beat is so good. Like you gotta, you gotta give him credit for that, but it's not something he really replicated much. He, he had like two or three hits tops really. And now he's just an insane person and abusive uh, piece of shit who tries to sell fake uh, game consoles, but he made his mark on the industry. Yeah, damn. Oh, man, I'm looking at the uh, the new allegations about him. Are there more? I know he, like, abused this woman who was, like, supposed to be his, like, she was supposed to be, like, I don't know, his assistant or something, and he's definitely an insanely bad person now. Yeah, he is, uh, people said he was soft back in the day. Like, I, I saw on that forum people were talking about, like, uh, Will Smith, in a thread from 2009 about like uh, MCs you hate. And they're like, oh, Will Smith, he's ruining rap. People think hip hop is stupid now because of him. It's fake rap. The wild, wild west shit. And I, I saw some uh, newer threads from maybe 2009-ish where they're talking about Soldier Boy that way. They were like, oh, he's soft. He's just like pretending to be a gangster. But the, uh, he is, uh, I think he's killed a few people. <laughs> was he really pretending to be a gangster even though he was talking about cranking that soldier boy like, yeah and kissing me through the phone that was one of the most thuggish songs of all time because you can't do that through a phone and if you do you get arrested dude he should have made a song called kill me through the phone actually that's just the more recent era of rap like that's like xxx actually no not even xxx tentacion it's more like a juice world kind of thing phone. kill me through the phone yeah, yeah. Another guy no who got doubt. killed through the phone. He actually turned on his phone on the airplane when they told him to turn off all his electronics during takeoff. And yeah, it made that's him what explode. Him. There was no drugs on the plane, actually. Yeah, they searched his body. There were no drugs at all. Man, I'm thinking back to uh, the Backstreet Boys music video again, and the, the the like musical history of Florida from the '90s to the early 2000s is so wild. Where you get like Backstreet Boys, you get Limp Biscuit, Creed, like a lot of the most, yeah, yeah, like just so many landmark bands that are just such hilarious legacies. And you it's don't hard get to that like, as much anymore. Maybe it's because uh, that sort of music. I guess there is like a Cuban hit every so often. Yeah, like Camila Cabello. I don't know if they're based out of sure. uh, Miami. Her and Shawn Mendes. 
Sean Mendes is actually. Canadian, I, I think right? Sean. Yeah, Sean Mendes is uh, Portuguese Canadian, which is like the yeah. the most tenuous link you could have to being Latino. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny that he's the one in those songs. Totally. But I want to. I want to hear new bands from the Florida Panhandle. Yeah, that's actually why music isn't goofy enough right now. That no one's out there finding the next Limp Bizkit or Backstreet Boys or whatever. They're all from Canada now. Yeah, fuck all these Canadians getting into They music. don't know how to have fun. They just brood. <laughs> I feel like being the Backstreet Boys at this age is probably better than being a lot of musicians at this age where they never had any skin in the game in terms of like writing songs. And it was just kind of like you just get on stage and dance where I think you could probably like age a little gracefully by understanding that you were like you were like a meme basically rather than like an artist. You know what I mean? Whereas it's probably more torturous to like be like, oh, I was such a big artist back in the day and now people don't respect me or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty easy if you don't push it. Like Justin Timberlake pushed it. Uh, I guess he was really the only one. He was the only one that had to prove himself as a real artist. But like two mixed most, results most kind of, of those guys way. are just hanging out. Like Justin Timberlake, some of his solo songs were like legitimately good songs. And then some of them were just dog shit, but Yeah, Rock Your Body uh, is a great song, even though it's uh just like a couple songs from Michael Jackson off the wall mixed together. Yeah. And then a lot of his hits were like Timbaland, which is I mean, that's cool. Like, you know, the two of them working together is like pretty good. Plenty yeah, Sexy of, uh, Back is memorable. I don't know if I would say it's good. It's one of the more annoying songs of that decade. Some of the songs from um, the 2020 Experience album were actually good, and then he made a second half of it that was purely very bad. Um, but like over the course of his solo career, he has like a handful of legitimately good songs. Like he pulled off like a balancing act of trying to be a real artist. Like I don't know, good for him, I guess. J.C. Chazez tried to do uh, his own solo career. I remember that he had uh, Some Girls Dance with Women, which is one of the weirdest pop songs I've ever heard. Is that the before or after Katy Perry's Kissed a Girl song? Way before. Oh, okay. Good for him. Trailblazer. It's uh, The structure of it's very weird. The chord changes. But that didn't really take off for him. I don't know why only one boy band guy was able to have a career. I think he's probably the only one who... I don't know. I guess my honest opinion is probably there's just like both industry machinations of like he became sort of the front man so it's easier to promote him and then also the drive that he just wanted it rather than being like Lance Bass and wanting to go to space or whatever. They should have changed the name to NSYNC with Justin Timberlake like Barry Gordy did to Diana Ross in The Supremes when he was fucking Or call her. it Justin Timberlake's NSYNC. Whichever kid is getting fucked by Lou Pearlman, he gets to be the leader. Yeah. <laughs> I need to read read more about Lou Pearlman. I know there it's was a documentary be... about him. In oh, a, man, uh, I would watch I that. I think it just accused him of, like, financial crimes. It didn't say anything about um, the uh, more yeah. sexual well, stuff. But I think that's what he went to jail for, right, is financial shit? Yeah, Ponzi schemes, money laundering. But if you look at a picture of him, it's like, oh, you know he was up to some worse shit. Man, that says so much about the music business in the 90s, though, that it was profitable enough that as a financial scammer, you were like, I got to create boy bands, you know? <laughs> like, that's 100% how he succeeded and why he wanted to do that. It's like the money was there for, like, scammers to really thrive. And nowadays, it's just like, good luck, dude. 
Yeah, none of those guys really go after musicians anymore because it's not that profitable. They go into NFTs yeah, that, or anything. Exactly. Like that, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, the odds of pulling that with off art. in pop right now would just not be that good. Like, the pop singers who are going to blow up right now are the ones who have connections to the already existing ones in the industry, basically. Like, the machine's just going to keep churning along, and it's churning along at a level that's much lower financially for a guy like Lou Perlman than it was 25 years ago, you know? The only people really doing that still are, uh, like, the people who did Rebecca Black Friday. Yeah. Where they take money then, from some kid, and then, like, they get they get the writing credit, and then they never get paid for it. That's small money, though, compared to Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Where, I guess, the new, you know what the new thing is from when we talked about BTS? The new thing is how that... Um, the label owner inserted himself as a songwriter in the credits of a dynamite. That is kind of the new way to scam these young kids out of money, but you're already in, like you're already inserted in the industry as the head of the label. So it's not really the same as like fighting your way into the industry as a scam artist. I forget the guy's name, but there was a guy who owned a record label that had a lot of the early rock and roll stuff on it. And it had that Chuck Berry song on it that John Lennon ripped off for Come Together. Uh, it's I called You Can't song. Catch Me. Okay. And uh, John Lennon got sued for that by this guy. And then he had to record the album Rock and Roll in 1975 as part of the legal settlement, which was all rock and roll covers. Oh, funny. I didn't of know songs that, that, that guy owned. But that's the guy that uh, Hash from The Sopranos was based on. He would sign these artists and he would just get all the credit for it and like never pay anybody out. And he was all, he had mob ties. Yeah. That's why he was able to intimidate John Lennon. Man, that rocks. I had no idea about that. that John Lennon's pretty solo good, career is the one that I know the least out of the three real Beatles, two, real songwriter Beatles. There wasn't that much of it, really. Yeah. He took uh, 1975 I mean, no to but... 1980 off to raise his son. So is it's it like, really just five years. Okay. I know like a handful of like the single, like Cold Turkey was going to be a Beatles song, but I think the rest of them didn't like it, especially since it was basically like a heroin song, right? Um, And like there's a, like obviously like Imagine you can't avoid, but I really only know like the handful of singles and shit and not like the albums. Yeah. I, I don't like his solo work that much really. Yeah, Probably I the think least I just out of the Beatles other than Ringo. Yeah, I intuitively avoided it because no one's ever tried to put me onto it ever. <laughs> like, it must be kind of bad, right? Like, George Harrison's solo work is by far the best. Yeah. And even I love then, the there's song like Number Steve... Nine Dream by John Lennon. And uh, okay. Instant Karma, if you count that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great song. Yeah, all three of them had like a handful of definite hits afterward. Even that like... Uh, the Wings song that's like the James Bond theme, that one's good. Band on the Run has a handful of good songs on it. Yeah, the Paul McCartney album with Elvis Costello is really good. I think it was 1989. A weird time for those guys to work together. Yeah. And the song Say, Say, Say he did with Michael Jackson, that's a great song. That should have been on Thriller in place of, uh, what was the duet they did? Oh, yeah, the it's a really fucking lame one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that's what sucks. kills that album. Yeah, that's a terrible song. Still the top-selling album of all time, and it's just got a, a, a poopy song on it. They should have swapped them out. It's frustrating. They it's need like to how Silver Spring should have been on uh, Rumors. They should let me do it. Yeah. 
Like Taylor's edition for her albums? They should have Alex's edition of Thriller. Yeah. I should also have my own edition of the uh, Taylor Swift albums. Yeah. <laughs> you restore Max Martin's production. Yeah, I turn down her voice and turn off the instruments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think someone needs to help Soldier Boy have a late career resurgence. <laughs> he should do it kind of like uh, Johnny Cash, maybe. I want to hear like a stripped down version of Hurt by Soldier Boy. <laughs> Yeah, I wish that happened more often. There's never really um, like a solemn return of somebody. It's always like winking and uh, yeah. self-aware. But we need Could somebody Soulja to Boy? come back who's seen like really dark times and they're like really serious now and grizzled and everybody has to take them seriously when they do cover songs. Do you think Soldier Boy could make a steel drum sound solemn? I bet like he a minor could. key... Minor key crank that soldier boy that feels like weary and like worn out. It's already minor key. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's a very but sad d- song guess- if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. It's actually about a kid who died cranking that. <laughs> Whatever happened to Lil B? He released 10,000 songs every year. And then, yeah, maybe around like five years ago, I just stopped hearing about him. Yeah, I haven't heard about him. Whatever happened to that guy? I remember used to talk about him all the time. He finally had like one or two like really big successful songs. And then I just stopped hearing about him. On Wikipedia, his last album was 2017. But you know that those mixtapes are going to be where his real work is at. So let's check his extended discography. He was one of the first rappers to say he was gay. Yeah, he was like, you do like all his songs were so half But he said he was. Yeah, exactly. And this album title, I'm Gay. Yeah. That's like one of the that very counts first for ones, something. Right? Like, all his songs were so half-assed, but he did have just like a very unique aesthetic, unique vibe. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So I think he just slowed down because he put out two mixtapes last year, which for a normal person would be a lot, but for him, that's nothing. And then he's done none this year. That's good. Yeah, he's, he had like Chief Kufre levels of output. <laughs> yeah, he really did. Kind of just retreading the same territory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope he made like, he probably didn't make that much money off most of his music. So I hope he made, he made enough to keep getting by, you know? No, he was he managed by it. Lou Pearlman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he had one guest appearance in 2022 and two of them last year. Yeah, he really slowed down. Yeah, too bad. Actually, not too bad. I remember finding him really annoying at the time. Yeah. No, I think he is pretty annoying. Like He's not particularly yeah. good. He's just like idiosyncratic. Yeah, he was one of the first people to like make himself a meme, sort of. Yeah, absolutely. To be somewhere between right place, a right time and an that. artist. Kind of like Soldier Boy, honestly. Of He just figured out this new lane that exists where you're halfway taking yourself serious as an artist, but not really, and he made it work. Doja Cat managed to take that to the top. She had yeah, that, that I'm a cow song. Yeah. Watching that video compared with her songs now, like she was extremely smart to just turn that into a real thing. Yeah. She just became a pop star. Really quick pivot. Like, yeah, good for her. People don't even remember that she said she was a cow, which is yep. good because it, that's very embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> she should go back to making videos like that in like five years. Yeah. Repeat the cycle. Maybe one more quick uh, headline kind of thing we should mention before we end the episode is that interview where Grimes accidentally revealed she has a second kid with Elon Musk because the kid was just crying upstairs and the reporter just heard it crying. 
Oh, yeah. That's so insane. They had a kid with, like, a surrogate or something? Yeah, exactly. It's so, like, you have to either, you have to know, if you're allowing, or if you're, like, having a reporter over to your house, you have to know they're going to hear the baby. Like, either, like, she, I don't know. Either she wanted that to happen to create a media moment like that, or she's a moron if she wanted to actually keep the baby a secret, you know? And either <laughs> one's believable, but. I'm kind of yeah. in the camp that maybe she's a moron because she likes Elon Musk, so. Well, he's based, though. That's right. He's based on Epic Winpilt. She also talked in the interview about how, like, oh, you know, like, we're not uh, together and we live in separate houses, but also he's my best friend and, like, my boyfriend, I would consider him. And then after the interview came out, she's like, well, we broke up again. So it's like, they're both so fucking stupid that it makes me think that she genuinely didn't intend that as a deliberate moment of revealing her kid. Like she's just so stupid that she actually accidentally did that. It was like, uh, our yearbook in senior year, there was, we each got our little like quarter pages and this one couple had a combined one where it's it's said like together forever or something. And then they broke up between the time (laughs) where the yearbook was finalized and when it came (laughs) out. And I think, I don't know if the guy ended up being in two different pictures with like two different <laughs> girls, rocks. but it was something like that. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. It was awesome. Yeah, and then in that interview, Grimes went on to say that she wants to have three or four kids with him total. So I'm sure they'll uh, keep getting back together occasionally and then making a surrogate bring a very neglected child into the world. Why would you use that old sperm? If you're going to use a surrogate, why don't you get some new sperm? Yeah. Not why doesn't she have a baby guy? Uh, with an AI? And then make an album with it. And then let it grow up to uh, resent its human siblings and have a Gallagher Brothers-like rivalry, and they'll become better musicians than she ever was. That's what we need. I guess on that note, then, I think that uh, Grimes is doing everything right, and she should keep doing what she's doing. Yeah, she's based. She's wind-pilled. <laughs> she's baby-pilled. Being baby-pilled is the opposite of being on the pill. I'm baby-food-pilled. No chewing. <laughs>